Warning, the Dub Talk podcast may contain language and content that may not be suitable for younger audiences. Listener discretion is heavily advised for today's episode in particular. Also, there will be spoilers for The Stranger by the Shore, so please use caution if you haven't seen the film yet. And finally, the opinions expressed in today's episode are those of the individual participants and may not reflect the Dub Talk podcast as a whole. What? You expected me to do some kind of joke or something for this disclaimer? Are you nuts? Absolutely not. Not for this movie. Absolutely not. I'm just going to go tell you, go watch The Stranger by the Shore. It is a good film. Please just do it. And t- just, just, it's so good. Just, just go watch it. I'm not making any jokes today. Not today, guys. Enjoy the episode. <laughs> Hello, one and all, and welcome to Dub Talk, a series where a group of friends get together to express our love no matter what, whether it be for dubs or just your regular life, because we accept everybody here. It's not night, it is a ladies' night, but we're doing this in the middle of the day, so it's more of a ladies' brunch. So get your mimosas. Hell yeah. (laughs) Remember, kids, it's five o'clock somewhere. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I brought. It's, my- it's five o'clock somewhere, and that somewhere includes a hurricane for me. I brought Bellinis. Hell yeah! And I gay cake. Bat- yes, I will show you the <laughs> so rainbow cake jelly. that I have procured from our local Kroger. So jelly! Right wow, there. I am peaking real bad. <laughs> Hold on. Wow, you it's a little can't- early for that too. <laughs> little early for that <laughs> i was gonna say man and i'm nursing a backache um no so tonight or this afternoon because we're literally recording this at like two in the afternoon eastern time one in the afternoon for gg uh we are here to talk about a very special little movie that our friends at funimation picked up out of nowhere out of literally out of nowhere literally out of uh, nowhere <laughs> Yeah, they did this like big live stream thing, which mostly turned out to be a wet fart, but it wasn't as wet of a fart as Sentai's was. Um, we're also recording this right after Sentai at home, too. So, uh, Funimation announced during its summer season preview that they picked up uh, Umbe no Eteren. Ah, it's French. I'm sorry, Gigi. I'm about to offend you. <laughs> um- <laughs> Show me the show me the title and I'll I can do it. it. I I can do it. I believe. I believe. I'm gonna do it. I can do it, mom. <laughs> I got this, mom. You can't stop me. Umberno Etender, or as it's known, the Stranger by the Shore, a the 2020 boys love movie from Blue Links. Woo! That's right. Funimation actually dubbed a BL. Oh my god. How? <laughs> I mean, Jeez, yes. We all know how. But I mean, we all know why. The betrayal knows my name is sitting over here in the corner crying its vampire tears. I mean, well, they rescued that. That one had a first shot. I mean, if we wanted to be more recent stuff, Twittering Birds Never Flies is sitting over in the corner dying. But that's yeah. not Funimation. Point still stands. Fair. Though. It's not dubbed. I'm still looking up the actual name of the show so I can pronounce it correctly. Here, Gigi, I'm just gonna send it to you through Skype. Skype me. Oh, Skype oh me baby. harder, Daddy. Oh, baby. Maybe no étranger. 
yeah. don't think that first one is right. That first word, I don't think I pronounced it correctly. It's close. Yeah, it did better than me. <laughs> but no, no étranger is correct. Yeah, no étranger. Yeah. Sorry, it's been about like, when did I go to France? 2016? <laughs> it's been five years. I went to France in like 2012. I've never been to France. God, I love cool, France. We can all go. We can all go to Euro Disney. <laughs> yes, because for- that's France. It is. It is. It, it's, it's, France it's France and the UK and Germany. No, it's not. It's literally it's Disneyland Paris now, so it's all in Paris, and they only speak French. Oh my goodness. Anyway, <laughs> this is not Disney World. This is. Oh. This is better. GG wishes um, it was Disney World though. This is better anyway. than Disney World. Okay, we're good then. <laughs> Anyway, so Funimation grabbed this, and just to give a quick plot summary, the story centers on Mio, a high school boy who lost his parents at an early age. Shun, a gay aspiring novelist living near Mio's house on a remote island in Okinawa, notices Mio sitting for hours at the beach. They grew closer to each other, but Mio had to leave Okinawa. Three years later, Mio returns and faces his feelings. And along the way, we'll meet lesbian besties. Why are you like this? Bread! Flowers, attempted forced heterosexuality, <laughs> homophobia, and watching two guys fuck. Yeah, runs the full gamut in the span of an hour. <laughs> an hour, hour and a half. Like holy It's geez. like an hour. It's like an hour long. You will literally just... minutes. The, truly, the only way this movie could be more superior is if it was 69 minutes long. God damn nice. it. <laughs> fuck. <laughs> and this is... <laughs> And sex, where Steph just curls up in an awkward little ball. Since this movie is an hour long, I guess you could call it a quickie. Um, fuck. <laughs> but it's very good and a must-watch. Yes, it is very. Like, it's very good. So let's get into our director and our writer, uh, because this is the full movie, and once again, we do have to uh, to put out. No, this is not actually the movie. Stop yeah. trying to pirate. Just go watch it on Funimation. Yeah, please. Um, this is not the film Stranger by the Shore. It's a goddamn review of the English dub for Stranger by the Shore. The fact that we have to use that that extra disclaimer for some of the movies is kind of silly. But because yes. people are kind of dumb. Yes. So anyway, speaking of people who aren't dumb, our director is the one, the only, the rainbow overlord himself, Mr. David Walls. Yay! And our writer is Aaron Dismio. Uh-huh. David Walls, you'll know, is the director of series such as Love Site. <laughs> I can't even fucking read Love Stage. My back is fucked up that bad. <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> Let me try this again, David. I also have to be very careful because I have this on the top of the document and another episode I'm hosting, like, right under the bottom. And I'm like, make sure you don't read the bottom one because I don't want to spoil what episode that is. Um, then hide the bottom one. I can't. The stranger by the shore section's so small. What about oh the God. bottom? Uh, we'll get to him later. Okay. Um, <laughs> anyway, David Wald has directed series such as Love Stage, Kase-san, and The Morning Glories, and Hitorijime, My Hero. Aaron Jismuk has written such series such as Attack on Titan, Id Invaded, and Nanbaka. Gigi, you go first, since you love David Wald most of all. Oh, oh, Mr. Wald, our rainbow overlord, the Dilf whisperer that he is. I just remember reading through his Twitter account and seeing all his tweets of joy when he couldn't even say the title of this. 
about how happy and how nervous he was to be able to direct it. And I was just like, my dude, like, no matter what you do, it's going to be golden. I'm sure you're fine. And this is like extremely beautiful. I went into this blindly. I knew nothing about it except it was a BL. And of course, like the cast and staff, whatever. But I didn't know anything about the plot or the story. And I was really pleasantly surprised by the content. Because as a lot of people like to come at Fujoshi with, uh, a lot of BL is problematic. And this one was really not. It was probably the most wholesome BL I've ever seen. And you could tell, like, just in, in the casting and in the way that you could feel the emotion and the lines that the actors, you know, use for the characters, like... I said it with Love Stage and I'll say it again. You can tell when a lot of love and care and passion is poured into a project. And this one, like, knocks it out of the park. The writing. So I don't think I'm really used to to watching things with Aaron Dismuke as a writer. Like, if you asked me to name something else, I couldn't tell you anything except something that just literally got released. But I felt parts of it were kind of... I don't want to say like strangled, but they felt like very technical to me. And in some cases it was like really a, a good thing. And in some cases it was like, I don't know if I'm horrified or if I'm just like really charmed by this little tiny kid going squeeze. Like that just seemed like a weird choice for me, but I did like some of the other choices that he made, like not, using thanks for the food for itadakimasu which sounds like a really like simple choice to make but like almost everybody says that so i'm glad that he used other words to convey that um there were lots of parts of this dub that could seem very not sort of confusing but not really confusing because of there's a very strong underlying current of acceptance and of love and how much you should or should not you know love and accept other people just based on the way that they want to live their lives and I could feel it through the dialogue and through the directing on this show um honestly like I didn't cry through this but it was very very heartwarming it didn't have a lot of the comedic parts that a lot of other David Wald dubs have, but I think that's good because it definitely fit the mood of this story where you have to go up against characters who are homophobic and um, a character who is very conflicted with the emotions within himself versus what people who quote unquote love him seem to think about him. So um, but I also found it, you know, very heartwarming and charming. Like, this is pro well, yeah, this is my favorite anime movie I think I've ever seen. So I was just, I was very happy with the writing and the directing. The dub is just, it's just stellar. Like, and other than, like, a couple of the awkwardly placed, like, translation lines or line adaptations, like, I mean, you can't really get much better than this honestly awesome steph we've we've been around the block a time or two we've had a lot of fun talking about david wald directing things and this is clearly no exception 
Um, but I think this is probably one of the most heartfelt pieces that David has had the opportunity to direct, considering um, what Gigi just said, that a lot of the other things that he's had his hands on before have a bit have some bits of comedy to him as well. This doesn't have that. But what it doesn't have in comedy, I think it also has in its, its um, genuine honesty, where it's the, the premise is very simple with it being just a simple romance between two young, young men. Um, but there are also extra little conflicts and struggles in, in, in internally and externally that are shown in an honest and open way. Um, especially for Shun because of the homophobia that Shun's character deals with um, while he's growing up and like his outlook on homophobia and how he's he could be perceived as an adult like it's a very honest and open conversation and it, i think it's handled very very well uh in the directing and i love <laughs> there's a joke to be made about the two main characters later <laughs> megan will probably kill me later um, all these I know what this joke is because your boyfriend's fucking made it at me. Yes, because Andrew fucking made that joke already. Um, because he he watched the show with me. Uh, he watched the film with me the other day. But um, that joke aside, <laughs> like considering this film is carry is primarily carried by Shun and Mio, the dynamic for those two has to be very very strong, and also have like. In its own way, Shun and Mio have to lay their hearts out bare, and the performances of the two leads and the dynamic between the two of them is really, really great. And having David as a director helping guide that along, stellar. Uh, Writing-wise, I didn't really have a ton of issues with it. Um, that probably is because I'm a bit more used to things that Aaron has written at this point as well, even, like, a mix of, like, when he first started more writing stuff like five, six years ago, and then he's become much more of a well-rounded uh, scriptwriter now. Um, I think it, I didn't really have a lot of issues, uh, but it does, I think it does really well balancing the love story with the societal expectations um, that these characters have to go through. But, oh man. <laughs> I'm gonna say this now. We, we brought this up at the top of the show when there was a plot summary in there. It's... I'm gonna throw this out there now. I am stupid awkward when it comes to sex scenes in media. <laughs> like, I was... Uh, I might not be able to give really good criticism on that. <laughs> specifically with performances. Because I'm just sitting on the couch just like, oh, oh, jeebus. <laughs> Oh, Jeebus. The whole time. Me and my stupid, stupid person. Ugh. It was weird. You're not stupid for not, like, being comfortable with that. Like, not everybody is. No, I know. Like, like, uh, I have things to actually say about that in certain regards, but, uh. But, yeah. I'm, I'm just. I don't, I don't think you're stupid for being uncomfortable by certain scenes. No, I'm, I'm just saying that. I'm just saying that up front <laughs> before we go too much further. I know. I'm just playing like, please stop deprecating, self-deprecating yourself because of it. I know. I know. 
So I just might be awkward when talking about it because it's just me. But um, directing and writing for it, though, I it, it's this one is definitely one of the more genuine on genuinely honest and heartfelt um, pieces in the medium that um, David has directed. And so, yeah, like 100%, I really, really liked it. <laughs> hey, is the sexing and the kissing scene going to get their own segment? Like, will they get their own thumbnails? What do you mean? Because, like, mm, that kissing scene with those kissing noises, though, like, I can't really, I can't really separate the two. So 20 out of 10 for that fucking wall kiss. <laughs> I mean, yes. Great, then I will um, wait to talk more about them. Yeah, they're getting their own sections. Perfect. Like, after the first two, like, the last three characters are all individual, so. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, no, so I want to start off this discussion with the fact that when this got announced, I was super happy. And I'm on a Discord that is run by Funimation. And a lot of people were happy, but then when they found out there was a sex scene in it, everybody talked about how, wow, that's really weird. And it's just like, Why? no, like, because, okay, I want to start this by this, is, look, I understand that there is a lot of problematic BL. I get that. There's a lot of stuff that's fetishistic. But there's also this weird sense lately that gay stories are not allowed to be sexual and have messy characters and have drama and, like, have stuff that isn't, like, it must be all ooh-woo hand-holding no, no, like, you cannot perceive the idea of, like, two characters, like, being in love and fucking each other. I don't think that's, and that's the thing is, like, I don't think that this should, like, I love Stranger Brothers War. I think it's a great movie. I think it's a much-needed thing for people who only think that BL as a genre is nothing but tiny twink coon gets pressed up against the wall by Barasan and they they fuck in weird ways. And the thing is that a lot of people who I see critique BL and stuff like that about being like gross and sexual are usually the first people to say, hey yeah, my favorite anime is high school DXD. Mm. And look, if you're into like etchy and stuff, I have no problem with you being into etchy and stuff. Like to each their own. I have more of an issue where people will make their entire personalities be how smart and cultured you are because you like to look at underage girl titties and they'll immediately start calling out bl for being gross and problematic when stuff that they like that's heterosexual will do very similar things see, that i have an issue with see this is what i have to say to that at this point it's a sweet romance yeah, and that's Fuck the thing. This off. is a very sweet romantic story that David Wald clearly poured his heart and soul into. Like, you could- Like, it is genuinely, I think, one of the best ofs that he has done mm -hmm. for something mm -hmm. like this. Yeah. And I'm so happy that between this and a rather big-named show that Funimation got- Yeah. For Summer, that they're putting him in the director's yes. seat. Yes! Heck yeah! <laughs> like- Love it. Like, they're not just limiting David's talents to straight BL, girls love stuff. They're also putting him on very big name mm -hmm. projects. Because, like, if you asked me who was going to direct that show, 
as much as I love David Wald, I was like, wow, this is something that they're probably going to put someone like Kyle Phillips on when he's done with Megalobox, and they didn't. Yeah. So, like, there's that. David put so much heart and soul into this, and the thing I want to also really call out is how many LGBT cast members he got for this. Mm, yes. Yeah. Um, like, a lot of people, like, and, and that's also something when we talk about that other show that he does, because Lord knows we are totally going to do an episode on it. Yes. Um, I kind of want to make it a ladies' night, because I think we deserve yes. it. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of LGBT cast members in that. Mm-hmm. I think that David's way of letting people act raw and emotionally in a lot of these romance dubs comes forth and makes it stand out. And the other thing I appreciate with him too is if characters have to say homophobic things. I'm glad you're bringing this up. Or do awful things that he takes it upon himself. Because I know actors aren't their characters, but even some people like, there are unfortunately people who, and I have to actually say this because this is an actual factual thing that's happened in the voiceover sphere, and this is going to be a small weird tangent, was there was a game called Boyfriend Dungeon that came out. And Boyfriend Dungeon is an LGBT, is a queer piece of media that dealt with a care, a problematic character in it. And there weren't enough trigger warnings, apparently, for people on the, the warning, and they fixed that. But people started attacking the actor mm. for the character God. that he played. Oh, of course. Saying, why would you play this character? Why do you condone this stuff? And he was like, no, I don't condone this. This is just a job I took. Like, right. Like, no, I'm not this character. And for for me, I think it's a very noble thing that David did to take him playing Shun's dad, who says very awful homophobic yeah. things to him. Oh, yeah. And he played that character. And he also mentioned that he played that character because he's also had to deal with somebody speaking to him like that. Yeah. That that came and that's the thing that I like about David Wald's directing is especially when he, he directs LGBT positive or representative media, that he does put a lot of the stuff that he's maybe experienced because he is a gay man. No, yeah, that's he's a gay man. He's was, a gay man himself. That's why I was saying, like, like with this in particular, there's so much of a genuine honesty. Yeah, and it tackles so like, those heavy subjects very, very, very well, honestly. And this is a series, a, a movie in itself that does. And I, I unfortunately don't know if the author themselves is is gay. The original author for this in Japan, mm-hmm. but this is clearly a series n- not that was written out of respect for yes. that. And I think that David's direction captures that. And I think Aaron Dismuke's writing does as well. Um, I will say that when Gigi said, like, this isn't really a funny movie, there are parts of this movie that have me fucking on the floor laughing, actually. I mean, like, some of it was funny, but it wasn't, like, the normal. It wasn't a straight comedy. It wasn't, it wasn't like It wasn't a 12 Yeah. So, like, for me, there are just some line reads from Shun towards, uh, towards, uh, let me get her name. Sakurako? Or Air? Uh, Air? Airy. Airy that fucking kill me. <laughs> like, there are some line deliveries in this movie that are fucking hilarious. And, like, they are meant to be, but at the same time, this movie, you know, the direction in this, and the writing in this knows how to balance on that knife's edge mm-hmm. of being heartwarming and charming and being, uh, 
vulnerable, like making these characters so vulnerable. Yeah. And that's the one thing I really, really do want to compliment about this is like this dub is very open and very easy to empathize with. Yes. Mm -hmm. This is a story itself that is easy to empathize with. And I think that the fact that people, regardless of their sexuality, can really empathize with this is such a tribute. Mm -hmm. And I know that uh, there's a line early on in the movie where uh, Shun's talking to Eri, where he's like, why does it matter if a man loves a man uh, or a woman loves a woman? Why is something that we fear the most of all just love? Right. Exactly. I and I, I'm, paraphr I'm paraphrasing that awfully. But the but point is. <laughs> the point is that it stands. And I think yeah. that that's what this dub gets across is, why are you afraid to engage with love mm -hmm. you as a person regardless if it is because there's nothing more harmful honestly than denying somebody the right to be who they are right and that's a really big thing that i think goes through this movie which is actually really interesting when we talk about shun because i have a lot to go through with this character but that being said are we good on the directing and writing front really the only thing is this is stranger by the shore is a sweet romance that the the core part of this it doesn't matter like i don't give a shit if you're gay you're straight you're ace like un, it's un, it's kind of unfortunate that the reaction to <laughs> the coupling of two young men would for some people would go very differently compared to a heterosexual couple you know what i mean but like at the end of the like i know i know it's like a weird a, a weird tangent to do it's like um no sometimes it's, it's like necessary. no it's it's it, this is I'm gonna say it's a weird tangent. It's so many people out there like to vilify um, when they talk about series like they talk about like my hero and they say oh shippers were in the fandom, but they always specifically mean the people who ship two male characters together. Like I, it's like oh they're always sexualizing stuff and it's like. But they're also, again, like, the first people who will outright say, oh, man, I love this etchy high school show when these are characters of the same age being sexualized. It's like you're not against the people shipping them romantically. It's like you're against it because they're two boys or they're two men. And you're more afraid of the two men thing than you are the fact that people want to see them hold hands. Like... Stop being afraid of gay media because you think it's wrong. You're purposely denying yourself the ability to watch really compelling shows yeah. because you've got your head so far up your ass to think that it's wrong. Yeah. Again, at the end of the day, Stranger by the Shore is a genuine, honest, sweet romance. It's just so good. Like... Yeah, sorry to go on a rude, angry tangent. You're fine. <laughs> like, anyway, the, I mean, there's, there's a lot to be said, considering, like, the fact that media for... Media that is geared specifically for LGBTQ fan... This kind of medium is coming more into the forefront is actually, honestly, very, very important. So. I mean, yes, and there's, again, like I said, there's still also people who are all like, well... This isn't el like this isn't strictly wholesome. Therefore, it's bad. And it's like no, it's if straight media is allowed <sighs> to engage in problematic romances and and all that stuff, why can't gay media do it? But anyway, that's a different subject for a different day. Yeah, there's something going on with like the puritanical culture of mm -hmm. 
of fandom lately that's just kind of like look look guys there's warnings on it it's tvma if you're if you're like not over 18 you shouldn't be watching this like it tells you right there if you're so offended by it for whatever reason that you're offended by it and you're not supposed to be watching it anyways then why are you stop talking (laughs) why are you watching it stop talking (laughs) but yeah pretty much anyway away from the anger talent down to everyone's favorite pair of <laughs> gremlin child. of just of grem of one very sweet girl and one adult gremlin lesbian yes so can i just tell you that i didn't know that she was a lesbian until i read something about this later and i watched this movie 3 times and didn't pick up on it anytime i watched it Oh no, it's really funny, like, the first time I watched it, which, by the way, was at my office at work on my break. Um, yeah, I watched, yeah, I'm sitting at my desk at work, like, just like, well, I hope no, I'm like, thank god this office is empty after 7 o'clock, because I'm gonna fucking die of embarrassment. If anybody walks and sees me giggling over, I prepped myself in the bathroom. Um, anyway. They are Ari and Suzu. Ari is our, our tall more gremlin-y, like, sister figure to Shun. And Suzu is her very sweet, demure girlfriend. Who, (laughs) she's just so cute. Uh, Playing Aerie is Morgan LeRae, and playing Suzu is Brent April. Morgan LeRae, you'll know his characters such as Red Current and the Ancient Megas Bride, Sophie and Gosik, and Sweetie and Farygon. Brent April, you'll know as Yui Yamada and Kase-san in the Morning Glories, Venus in Luck and Logic, in I Mizuno in Zombieland Saga. Uh, Steph, you start us off this time. Oh, man. So, weirdly, weirdly and unfortunately enough, I actually don't have notes on Bryn. And I feel so sad. <laughs> Bryn's just here to be cute. Because I think the problem is, is Morgan just steals the fucking seeds. Morgan just, just like, steals seeds and chews it. It's, uh... Oh god, you're not wrong. Morgan Loy really literally steals parts she of the does. movie. She steals parts of the movie, and it's just fucking great. Because all Ari is is just the big, like the big, the gremlin big sister character who just pokes fun at Shun all day, every day. For him and his, for him and his lack of romance. Gigi, Steph, are you okay? You just, I literally don't hear talking. I hear giggling. I promise you I'm fine. I also just called you Gigi. I'm so yes, sorry, Gigi. Hey, what the fuck? <laughs> you shouldn't Look. be sorry. You should be thankful. <laughs> Look, at least it's not as- I love you, Ball. <laughs> Listen, at least the reaction to this is a little bit better than when I accidentally called Noah Andrew during oh, Peach Girl. That's an insult to Noah. Exactly. <laughs> Hashtag Andrew still canceled. <laughs> Andrew is over party. Uh, no. But yeah. No, I don't have really any notes on Bryn because Morgan- Because generally they're both together- um, when, when Suzu is on screen nine times out of ten, and Eri just, just steals the scenes <laughs> because of it usually. Um, so I don't have a lot of notes on Suzu. However, I will say that Brenna Suzu is, is a really nice counterpart and dynamic to Morgan's Eri because 
Aries just like, ha, oh, I, I, I trick you, I will mess with you, I tease you about your love life and shit. And Suzu's just still there, just like as the support of like, oh, she doesn't mean it, don't worry about it. Um, the two. I'm sorry, my girlfriend's an asshole is a cape that she's given to Suzu. <laughs> yes, but the two of them together are just so cute. And they're very supportive. Though, I will say, aside from Aerie teasing the shit out of Shun, I love how Aerie and Mio also have their own dynamic. Where Aerie's just trying to help Mio, and Mio sometimes also, like, instigates some of Aerie's gremlin horse shit. <laughs> like, oh, it's been a couple days since I watched the movie, but there wasn't there- There was a scene where, uh, freaking It was- Ari, Mio, and Shun. Ari's teasing Shun over something. And then Ari looks to Mio and is just like, well, what about it? And then Mio's just like also starting to poke fun in him a little bit. He's like, no, yeah, this and this. I can't remember sp specifics. I thought it was like the first time it, like he ever has dinner over there and Ari's like makes a thing about like how he wants like more than he wants. I think he kind of wants Shun's buns or something like that. I don't know. No, I think I, I think it was after like. Okay, it's after years. he comes back. After he comes back, there was a moment like in the front yard or something, um, where they had a, a fun conversation, and basically Mio just says something that not only embarrasses the fuck out of Shun, but also helps instigate Ari a bit more. <laughs> oh, I think it's like I think it's when he's like, "Have you ever had like?" It's like, "When are you two gonna fuck?" Basically. Basically. <laughs> Something along When are you those two lines. gonna get it on? <laughs> when you gonna do it? <laughs> it? It was just, it was, it was great. No, but, oh my god, Morgan steals the show, the movie, quite a bit. <laughs> With her antics. But her and Bryn Suzu are also very supportive, because they, because Shun is a stubborn little shit through a good portion of the film. So the two of them are kind of helping more Mio along the way. Uh, because there are separate interactions where Mio's talking to, like, Aerie and just, like, trying to help him out and be supportive and all that fun stuff. Babby's first relationship, basically. Um, but no, both of them were, both of them were a delight. I'm just sad I don't have a lot of notes on Brynn because Morgan stole everything. <laughs> That's she did. It. She really did. It was good. Gigi. No, Steph's right. Uh, Morgan has a tendency to steal scenes from anyone in like any role that she's in. So I was really thrilled to see her here as this character because Aerie is just... Um, let me make sure I'm getting these names right. Yes, I am. Aerie is just kind of like there to make trouble and there to be like the teasing older sister. Like at first, I thought Aerie really was Shun's sister. The I first, thought so too, actually. The first time I watched it and I was like, oh, what a good dynamic. Like the vocals back and forth are so good. Um, and then when you find out it's not even his sister, I was like, oh yeah, okay, that's cool. Now, they're just friends who, who fuck around a lot and like tease each other. So I really liked that. Uh, Bryn was super cute as Suzu. Like, she kind of had like that teasing demeanor going on for a little bit, but also, I mean, now that I'm thinking about it, because like I said, I didn't realize that Ari and Susie were together until I literally just read something right before this recording that said that. And I was like, oh, yeah, okay, that makes sense. 
So I was like, that's really cool that it kind of like played a little bit under the radar. And I don't, I remember they said that Aerie was like moving in with her girlfriend, but it never, it never hit me that it was Suzu. I don't know why. Nah. Like, I just, I don't know why it never hit me over the head with it. But Bryn was really cute in it. Um, I couldn't recognize her. And usually I can pick out Bryn April like right away. And I, I couldn't recognize who it was so there was like a little different cutesy spin that she put on this as opposed yeah. to what I'm used to hearing her as but I thought these these actresses were very solid in their delivery of um two out of the three main female characters in this show well two main characters and one like sort of cameo to throw the drama in in the middle but <laughs> morgan steals the show and she did it in city hunter too and i'm not mad about it because she's really great at it she's really good at her comedic roles so um i'm glad that she was put here and i'm glad that bryn was there to like be her evil teasing counterpart and it was cute like their whole mm-hmm. dynamic was just cute yeah no i love their i love their dynamic as girlfriends they are fucking adorable yeah. Um, Bryn was really sweet and really cute in this. I liked her performance. It didn't, like, stand out a ton. But it also didn't overstay its welcome, if you know what I yes. mean. It was a very perfect slot. Morgan LeRae as Aerie is fucking great. It's one of my favorite supporting performances of the year. It is absolutely heartwarming. It is absolutely charming. It's funny as shit. But it also delves into the drama when it needs to. Because she's kind of one of the first people who starts, like, being like, Okay, Shun, what the fuck, dude? Mm-hmm. Uh, about Mio and I really like how she's the one who pushes Mio to start being like dude no Shun's a dumbass you need to pull his head out of his ass so you can put your head there (laughs) Um, (laughs) my bad Uh, but I think the thing that gets me about Morgan is that it, it feels so effortlessly casual like this is a person who talks like you would hear on the street. Like, if this was your sister being like this, you would believe that that's how a human being talks to somebody. Yes. I love that in dubs. Like, when it can just sound conversational instead of, like, a bunch of <laughs> characterized acting. Like, I think that's just, that's what I want to hear. Yeah. And, like, just to give an example of this, again, of this, like, how good this is compared to, some like, a subtitled show how effortlessly casual and human the dialogue in this show is compared to the first episode of The Detective is Already Dead, which has one of the worst conversational subtitles I have ever seen in my life. Like, it is awful. Nobody talks like that. I haven't seen the show yet. And people... What? I haven't seen the show yet. I had to watch the first episode, and I am just at this point, if I'm going to watch it, I'm going to wait for a dub, but that's probably going to be far from now. Um... Morgan's energy of being that teasing older sister character, while not 100% being very tropey, is what sells the performance for me. It's, there's a difference between, like, being, like, again, this is how people talk to each other. Versus, oh, do you want a head pat from your big sister? Maybe you should be more honest about your feelings. So... I really want to compliment that. And again, this is one of my favorite supporting performances of the year. It's and for an hour long movie where this character doesn't get as much 
arc development or performance development, that says a lot. Yeah. Like, that she can kind of effortlessly slip into Aerie's character of being this... And, and the thing is, too, I would really love if there was, like, a spinoff manga about Aerie and Suza to see what their deal is, because it very much... That would be so cute. From what I understand, what I kind of grasped from Auntie's uh, diner is that it, it probably is a safe place for LGBT people. That's what it seems like, yeah. Because even at the beginning of the movie, when Shun checks in a couple going to stay at the hotel, it was two men. Yeah. So she's probably very LGBT friendly. Yes. Uh, but yeah, that's all I gotta say for that. So moving on from LGBT friendly to, uh... Well. A little not. <laughs> Childhood friend? Friend. Who is kind of supportive? Who is supportive and yet wants him back. Mm -hmm. Sakurako. Uh, Sakurako is Shun's friend from childhood who he he was almost going to get married to who has known that he's gay uh, and he essentially tried to use her as a beard but when the time came for him to you know do the do the deed he he told his parents he was gay and they threw him out basically yeah. and he ran away and she's come back to, to bring him back home to Hokkaido because his father is dying. But things happened and, well, when we get to Mio, we'll talk about what Mio did to her. <laughs> Which is my favorite thing that happens oh, in this Mio movie. Mio has one of my favorite lines in the whole film, too. Mio has my favorite line. Mio's actor has my favorite line delivery and I'm going to ruin it. I'm going to ruin it for you. Oh. Or make it better. It's great. Uh, Sakurako is played by Amberly Connors. Amberly Connors will know as characters such as Akira Huga and Bloom and You, Mai Aihara in Citrus, and Miki Kawai in A Silent Voice. Uh, I'll start this off. So, man, Amberly Connors is also really good in this as Sakurako. Yes. Mm -hmm. She is very much the counterpart to Aerie's high energy and gremlin in that she is still has energy, but it is more of a somber and low-key energy. Where she is clearly a woman who's had her heart broken by Shun. And she doesn't... I don't think she blames him for being gay. Yeah. But I think she blames him for, for using her to get out of it. To get out of having to confront his sexuality. Right. And for me, it really does ring clear that I don't think Sakurako is a bad person. I think that she is as much hurt by the societal cycle of the pressure on on the heteronormative binary. Where they're childhood friends, they've always been together. It's super cute. One day their parents want them to get married. What she does, the kids say the darndest things when they're little. It's like, one Chun said he's gonna marry me when we're older. And Baby Shun is just kind of like, yeah, okay, only if it's you. Like, that idea that their parents have probably pressured them into being straight for each other their entire lives. And for Shun, it slowly began to eat away and kill him. Because there, there are a lot of scenes where you see Sakurako being like, just be true to yourself. Like, someone, like, she was trying, I guess, to... And you can hear it in Amber's performance where it's like, it's very clearly somebody who's trying to reach out to their friend and someone that they love. 
but maybe they don't know how to do it correctly and they don't know how to empathize with their feelings. And that is a very big part of Shun's character is his inability to see that people can empathize with him. Mm -hmm. And that they can feel things for him and desire a connection to him. He's so afraid of his own internalized homophobia, I want to say. Because there, there's a scene that really sticks out to me. And that is uh, on Valentine's Day where she throws his Valentine's chocolate at his head. That he is presumably given to her. And she says, just go and talk to him and tell him how you feel. And he's just, like, very clearly trying to beat around the bush of, like, that's weird and it's going to ruin things. And because she likely hasn't heard that male classmates think he's gay and make fun of him. But Amber's performance to me really does... There's there's a really easy way out to misinterpret this character's performance. Yes. <laughs> and that is making her super bitchy. And making her come off that she's jealous of Mio, that she's there to, to homewreck Mio and Shun, when eventually you learn that she's not, but she also kind of is just to let, just to like break it off at the end. And that kind of, and that moment really does kind of make me laugh where she's like, well, I hate you. I hate both of you. I'm never coming back because of what Mio did. <laughs> and I think that plays plays to a lot of what a lot of people like about Amber Lee Connors acting is that I think there's this expectation that Amber plays Amber does play a lot of very sultry characters and I think Mio the intent with Mio from an outsider perspective is like, oh she's the sultry girl that's gonna steal one of them away where it's very much like no she's just kind of very depressed and trying to heal things and trying to help Shun but she doesn't have maybe the best way of going about it but i really like amber's performance <laughs> i've loved amber lee connors in the past i love her now i gave her a w for citrus i think i'm pretty sure i did um so at first i couldn't tell this was amber lee connors again um and it took me to the second watch through of this to actually finally get sakurako's character um, I watched it the first time by myself and then I watched it the second time with my boyfriend and he was like, oh, the, the evil Ojo-sama is going to come in and start the love triangle here. And I was like, I really don't think there could possibly be a love triangle, um, at least in the, the spectrum of two people, like everybody loves one another. Like that's, I don't think that's going to happen here. But at first I was like, Man, Sakurako sounds a little, like, dry. Like, the Japanese trope of a character who doesn't say very much has finally come into play, which is kind of what her character was in Citrus. Which, on the second watch-through, I was like, okay, I, I get it now. So, in the beginning, when I first thought it was, like, a really dry kind of, like, talking not talking to a wall but you know what I'm saying like it kind of felt flat to me because of I thought she was trying to match a trope was actually she's hiding all of her feelings inside and doesn't want to come off to Mio or to Shun like she actually has any other kind of 
actual feelings for Shun. Like she said in the car, um, something about how he, Shun was like super good in bed or something. And Mia was like, <gasps> and then later when she's leaving, Sakuraka was like, Oh, just kiss me just once. And then, you know, Mio gets that flashback and he was like, oh, she was lying the whole time. And I was like, I get it now. Like it really, it, like at first listen, I thought it was her having to kind of slide into the character more because, you know, 10, 15 minutes into when Sakurako first appears on screen, it gets way better. Like once she has that conversation with Mio on the beach and I was like, oh my God, I get it now. And then the second time I was like, no, now I get the whole thing. Like this whole thing was kind of like a front to keep her feelings inside, no matter what they are. If she really does love Shun or if she doesn't love Shun, she obviously accepts him and respects him as a person and really does want him to listen to her to go home to spend some time with his dad before he dies. But it, there's really a lot of layers to Sakurako, and I was really pleasantly surprised by Amber's performance. Like, she really knocked it out of the park here. Like, especially if it took me, like, two watches to, like, fully get it. So, bravo. Bravo. I liked it. Mm -hmm. Also, I really like saying the name Sakurako. Like, it sounds like the name of a really bougie restaurant. <laughs> and Yes. And I think if I ever get my Weeb ice cream parlor that I'm kind of thinking about or Weeb bakery, like I would like to name it Sakurako. So look Ooh, for that if you ever see one in the Dallas area. Lord knows these fucking restaurants here pop up every 24 minutes. Ooh. <laughs> I'm very hungry now and I had like a big egg and ham and cheese bialy sandwich earlier. I'm starving. I haven't eaten anything but rainbow cake today. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, best, best breakfast, some rainbow cake. What are you fucking talking about? Um, no, like I largely agree with what you've already, what the two of you've already said about Amber Sakuraka. Um, thing, things that I've written down, uh, note wise for me, cause, cause the tone of voice is very gentle and mature. Um, obviously we have the trope of the childhood friend coming in, uh, to try and get Shun to be like, Shun, your dad is dying. Come the fuck home. <laughs> and at least see him before he passes away. Um, and Shun's being a stubborn little pain in the ass. But with good reason. Um, but that's where the surface level stuff ends and more of the complexities start to begin with Sakurako. Um, course you mentioned like she knows that Shun is gay and she is supportive of him but she also does love him and from a young age as well and it's hard for her I think part of the story with Sakurako in this film is that she is in a way saying goodbye to her first love um, and that seems to be very prevalent because she's she's still a little bit hung up with what happened with her relationship with Shun and their engagement and how he broke it off because he came out to his parents and his parents kicked him out of the house. But she not only, I think, goes to find him because of um, Shun's dad's illness, but I think for herself a little bit of closure as well. Um, 
from that because again this seems like a first love for her that she's trying to find a way to move past that um and i think amber portrays that very very well again a lot of layers and complexities with this character um and i was gonna bring it up earlier when megan was talking when megan was talking about some of the support the, the things about um Sakurako and Shun and all that fun stuff. And I was gonna bring up the scene about Valentine's Day. <laughs> uh, where sh we, we really know, she knows early, pretty early on um, that yes, Shun is indeed gay. <laughs> and she's trying to push him to just be open and honest with himself about it. Um, and not worry about what other people say. But of course, Shun is a little bit scared about it, which is honestly fair, given the context and societal, societal expectations um, that are placed on him. So, oh, there's a lot of layers. A lot, a lot of layers for Amber. It's so sweet and so mature, and she just wants to be a good friend to Shun, but she also, it still hurts for her because, again, first loves are always... First loves are always the most memorable, but they are also the worst <laughs> because they can hurt a lot. And you can see that pain in Amber's performance, Sakurako. And oh, it was already kind of brought up. She has one of my favorite interactions in the whole film, and Mio gets one of my favorite lines in the whole fucking film, but we'll talk about that in a, in a, when we get to Mio, probably. Uh, <laughs> oh, he's next. Oh, he's next. It's gonna be fun. <laughs> um... No, but I really, I really love Amber as Sakurako. It's a fun, it's a fun balance, I guess you can say. And it also brings a, a different and interesting perspective um, and character complexity to this already really heartfelt film. So. Yes. And speaking of Mio. <laughs> oh, Mio. <laughs> yes. Oh, Mio. Oh, Sole Mio. Um, Mio is the one and a half of our, our titular couple. He is the... Here's the thing. If you look at the film, the film cover and the synopsis, you would think that Mio is the stranger by the shore. The correct answer is, it's both of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Mio is originally in high school when his mother dies and Shun starts being nice to him. They both kind of realize that they have a crush on each other. But because Mio is still a minor in Japan, he goes to an orphanage on the mainland. When he becomes adult, which, by the way, is the age of 20. Yeah. It's when you legally become an adult in Japan. Um, not 18. It's 20. Uh, when he becomes 20, he comes back to Okinawa and to Shun. And is like, yeah, no, I fucking love you, dude. Yeah. And very thus starts... And thus starts Mio's rampage. <laughs> Of trying to understand Shun while also getting laid. <laughs> um, <laughs> there is there is a scene right before Sakurako shows up where they are on the beach and it's before Mio has to go to work and Shun is attempting to Oh, fish. this is good. This is good. And they're attempting and they're even eating their rice balls in unison, which is how you know that them fuckers gay. Yes. And Shun just goes... Mia just goes, so can we do it tonight? And she's like, no. He's like, I love you. <laughs> Say it again. <laughs> yes. 
Mio is so fucking adorable. Mio is adorable, but can be, like... <sighs> I would die for Mio. I want to call him a little bit of a disaster, bitch, but he's not. He's no. really not. He's a gremlin, he's a like gremlin. Okay, yeah. Shun's the disaster. Shun is a disaster, bitch. Mio is just... Fucking <laughs> Mio is very open and honest about his shit, which is great. Mio is just like, I'm here, I'm gay. Why don't you want me back? It's like, let's go to uh, the bedroom and it, fuck it out. And and Shun's just like, well, I've got a lot of feelings. <laughs> I had a lot of feelings. I had a lot of. Well, you see, trauma. there's all this baggage. There's this thing called baggage, Mio, that I have. And he's like, that's okay. Let it. me put Mio's it. Like, fuck I'll, that. I will put your baggage in my rainbow fanny pack. And now it's gone. So let's make out. <laughs> let's make out. Yes! I think he wants more than a, a little tongue action, G. Well, I didn't say where and what parts we're making out. Now did Woo! I? Ah! Let's make the penis kiss. <laughs> Fuck. Ah! Anyway, funny video <laughs> is Justin Briner. <coughs> <laughs> I just like, and segue! You can't do any better than that. He plays Moggy and Aka 13, Apple Beaver and Tumble Decker because I had to. That is still the dumbest name. That is that still is one of the dumbest named anime name. characters of all fucking I time. I love it. Apple Beaver. <laughs> and everyone's other fa favorite disaster gay, Enta, Gino Uchi, and Saren Zombie. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> oh, what? God. Are you just dying over Apple Beaver? I'm just, yes, I'm also dying as to how much of a fucking gremlin Mio is. Apple beaver jeans. <laughs> the fur. Oh my. Jeez, <laughs> she's like, I don't fucking know these people. <laughs> Mio attempting to seduce. Uh, Mio attempting to seduce Shun with uh, apple bottom it's jeans. It's all twerking. Oh it's all twerking from here. <laughs> yes. Shoot, Ari taught me how to twerk. You wanna see? <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> oh. oh shit. Oh. I'm just dying. Oh, can I okay. Can we can we quickly talk about probably one of my favorite things in the movie? Not just the fishing scene. But, what? But when Sakuraku was leaving, <laughs> fucking. So Gigi kind of brought this up of for a hot second, where um, when Sakuraku was leaving, uh, she asked either Gigi or Meg, one of you guys did. She she asked Shun for a kiss, right? Just kiss me, just kiss me, and and. and I'll be free of you. I won't ever have feelings for you again. Yes. Okay, thanks, bye. Okay, thanks, bye. And Shun is just, like, kind of like, alright, I guess. Mio ain't having none of that shit. Because <laughs> Mio is Mio is fucking Mio, and he's like, this my boy. So Mio is the one who kisses Sakurako and fucking pisses her off. So she ends up on the ship. She has that rant. That you were saying before about like I hate both of you. I'm not coming back ever again. And I don't have the entire line written down, but Mia's fucking response is actual like gold, like A plus justice. Sorry, 
Sorry, I'm young and impulsive. No, I'm young and possessive. Possessive. I'm young, I'm and, young possessive. and possessive. Which has all of the all of the line delivery and atmosphere mood of Timmy. I'm respecting your privacy yes. by knocking, but I'm asserting your authority as your father and coming in anyway. Oh my god! Which I straight up said to Justin Briner's face at a con, and he left. His Yay! Because I was like, man, I fucking love you and Stranger by the Street. He's like, oh, thank you. Because he's very nice. Yeah, he's a sweetheart. He really is. But, oh my. That's what it is. That's what it is. I'm Sakurako. I respect your feelings for Shun. But as his boyfriend, I'm not going to let you kiss him anyway. Yes. <laughs> Smooch. <laughs> oh, this is so fucking good. That's that's my favorite bit from the film. And my favorite line that Justin has. It's so good. <laughs> no. But, um, kind of going more to the point with Justin, it's it's very interesting the progression that Justin has with Mio, because we're introduced to Mio when he's 17, and he's grieving over his mom who passed away, to which we have flashbacks throughout the course of the film of little Mio with his mom, who, mom, I believe, is Brittany Karbowski. Yes, mm-hmm. that is very clearly Brittany Karbowski. It's like, oh shit, hello. Um, which that's a, I, that's the first time I've ever heard her play a mom character, so that's a fucking new one. Um, and when we meet seventeen-year-old Mio, he's very quiet, more reserved, um, and just doesn't really talk to people, which is very interesting. And then he starts to open up a little bit, a tiny bit more, when Shun starts to interact with him and talk with him and all that fun stuff. And then. He has to leave to go to to live in an orphanage, uh, since, like you said he, before, he's legally not an adult and he can't live by himself right now. Three years pass by. Mio comes back. Mio is a completely different fucking person. <laughs> like, and, and Mio's just very open and honest about himself and what he wants and what he fucking wants is Shun, because it, it seems like. With his time in the orphanage, the one thing that was kind of holding him together at that point was Shun. And the hope and possibility of being able to go back to him when he's able to. And it kind of goes back to a first love thing because it, for all intents and purposes, based on what we know, Shun is Mio's first love from what we know of. Mm-hmm. And it's just the sweetest thing it's so so adorable, and then it's fucking Mio. Mio being the horny little bitch that he is, because he can be a horny little bitch. Okay, maybe not horny. He just wants to show show how much he loves him. Um, it's so adorable, funny, like ah. Uh, the scene you were talking about with the two of them fishing earlier that was so funny because of how awkward and open and upfront Mio is and it just makes such a great moment but um Mio is also Mio is also very interesting especially when Sakadako comes in and he, she's trying to get Shun to go home with her so he can see his dad because dad's sick and Shun is refusing to. Mio is not understanding why, 
because he doesn't understand what Shun went through, but at the same time, Miu is just like, dude, your dad is dying. You really should go see him. This coming from someone who lost a parent. And he's very supportive of Shun and trying to push him to kind of confront confront not only his family, but also, um, to an extent, the societal expectations that are put on young men at that point in time, especially if you are gay. So, Mio is just this open, honest human being that is, I think, also a really good counterpart to Shun in order to help Shun not only accept himself a lot more, but to accept himself in a way that he can be open and proud of himself for. Because Mio don't give no fucks. <laughs> and I think Justin's portrayal of Mio is just so sweet and endearing and just... Oh, I love it so, so much. <laughs> it's so good. Um, but goddamn, I'm young and possessive! Fuck you, I'm young and possessive! Don't kiss my man! I <laughs> know. Clearly. But no, I really like Justin a lot as Mio. It's very sweet. Yeah, no, Justin's Mio is fucking adorbs. Yes, um, he's a dork. He's a dork. But I think also a lot of people probably would look at Mio wanting to Shun to go home to his father, knowing as an omnipotent viewer that his father was homophobic and might see that as very like, well, what the fuck? What do you expect? He's homophobic. Mm -hmm. Um, as very pushy, and at the end of the movie, could be a little unsettling. But in my eye, my eyes, Shun doesn't have that. I'm sorry, Mia doesn't have that perspective because yeah. his father is implied to have died at a very young age, mm -hmm. and his mother unconditionally loved him. And I think if his mother had been alive, his mother would have probably accepted them being gay and being together. 100%, I think, yeah. Mm -hmm. And. I think that's why, like, one of my favorite things at the end of the movie is when Mio is talking very softly uh, to his parents about how he's going to go to Hokkaido at their grave and the breeze blows his hat to Shun. Mm -hmm. I very much felt that as his parents, especially his mom, pushing him towards Oh my god, yeah. stop. <laughs> that's so, that was so sweet. Gigi, don't cry. Too please don't cry. No, and one of the other scenes I love is before they start going to Hokkaido is when he pulls him into the water. Yes, that's a yes. very sweet. And and just Justin's performance and how bright and lively he makes Mio mm -hmm. is is something that I think that this movie really needed in that performance. Yes. It's does Mio have moments of darkness? Yes, when Mio is in uh, on the mainland after after Shun because Shun keeps telling him you don't want to be gay. Yes. You don't want this. Yes. You don't know what you're getting into. But because Shun himself has dealt with homophobia, and we don't know if Mio has when he was growing up, when he was away on the mainland. Right. Because it's Mio, again, has problems looking people in the eye sometimes. He, wear, he has social anxiety. He wears a hat a lot to cover his eyes. And just that scene where he goes to the bar where Siren Strange is playing the barkeep. Shout out to Siren. Um, 
And I, I love that interaction of it's like, can you tell me what love is? I don't think I'm not into younger guys. <laughs> that was funny. Thank you. That was Thank a good you. scene. Thank you. Thank you, Barkeep. <laughs> but it's like, look, I'll give you I'll give you love advice, but I'm not giving you anything harder than a soda. Yes. That was such a sweet interaction, I think, in the movie between I think how and that's one of the things I want to compliment about this movie is that it very much does paint queer communities standing up for each other. Mm-hmm. How Ari and Ari and Suzu want Shun and Shun and uh, Mio to get together. How the bartender is there to talk to sh- talk to Mio because Mio is distraught over the fact that the person who is also gay is telling him, "No, you don't want to be gay." Yeah, and that phone conversation where it is. I think Mio at his angriest and rawest mm-hmm. being like, you keep telling me I you don't I don't know what I want. And Justin's delivery is that of I think not not a frustrated teenager, but a frustrated adult. Yeah. Who is laying his heart on the line of either you come get me at this instant or I will just go away. I will just leave you right. alone. Because it's not, I know who I want. I know what I want. And I think that that moment really does open his eyes and then leads to the adorable scene of them at the hotel mm. where Mio's like, do me. And Shun's like, I haven't slept in three fucking like, days. Oh, I haven't slept in three and days. Then, and, then he, and then he passes out. And then Shun's like, well, this... Mio's like, well, this sucks. <laughs> yeah. Mio's like, well, fuck. God, that scene oh. is like looking into a mirror. <laughs> it's like you're my mirror, Mio. And then at Mio, the end do of the me movie, right now. Now I haven't slept in three days. I can't get it off. <laughs> oh, let me sleep. Shun's just like fuck you now. I need to. I need to recover. <laughs> and then later on in the movie, the other time you see Mio getting really mad is after thing with Sakurako, yes. where and I love how Auntie is like. Auntie's like, eh, I'm gonna come. I'm gonna come eat. You should give Shun the food. What? You shouldn't eat right now, Shun. Go to Mio, and then you know, you get the world's most adorable sex scene. Um, where God bless Justin Briner's delivery during that part of the movie. <laughs> it is absolutely charming. Just the whole like, I don't think I can hold out. And then Shun's just like, you just came. <laughs> And he's like, I don't know if I can do it. And then I just love the part where he's like, he's like, I'm gonna put it in. And he's like, wow, it's already open. Did you? And he's like, I propped myself in the bathroom. And his immediate reaction isn't to thank him. It's just to go in the most adorably dorky, sweet voice. Teach me how to do this. Mm -hmm. And there is such a genuine enthusiasm. (laughs) Like, like, Mio and Shun, the sex scene on that, like, so fucking awkward, but that's because they're two awkward little goobers. But that's what so makes funny. it, like, more I... real. Like, exactly. It that's makes what it makes more it... honest and more, like, earnest. Yeah. Like, it just... Oh, yeah. It's not like your automatic sex masters, be- like, you haven't hit level 69,000 with 420 experience points. About to say, that's not how it on works. The sex. That is not how sex mm-hmm. works at all. <laughs> it's like, it's like my other favorite sex scene in any, any series is still the one from Tokyo Ghoul 
which is really funny because when he it, it's it's very intimate and very very sweet but there's just this one moment where where Kaneki sticks sticks his dick in and Toka's like ah she's like I didn't expect that the only thing that's better than that is the lead up to it which is uh they're drinking coffee and Toka just leans back and goes have you ever had sex before and he just starts dumping his coffee onto the floor <laughs> Like, instead of putting it back, his hand's just tilted, like, excuse me. He's like, uh, what? What? And I just love, I, I think the other part I really love about Mio is that, again, like with, with a lot of the other performances of it, this sounds natural. Yep. This sounds like a dumbass 20-year-old trying to, who I think is not only trying to feel his way around his feelings, but also dealing with somebody who's older and who has been through through worse and yeah so gg i know you haven't gone yet so. well i'll make it i'll make it real quick because you guys have talked a lot about mio and like his character stuff i wanted to just say two quick things um first of all is that i have had a very hard time in the past what four years since whenever my hero academia started um where i cannot unhear deku in any justin briner performance <laughs> it doesn't matter what anime he's in like what his character is like it doesn't matter i hear deku all the time and i can't unhear it i unheard it in yay, yay! because so many people i know didn't no i like so here's me watching this for the first time. Like I said, I went in blindly. I knew Josh Greeley was in it and I knew Justin Briner was in it. And in the beginning, I was like, well, which one's which? When it would be normally very easy for me to pick out which one's which. It took me like, I don't know, a little while to figure it out. And then I was like, this is like the least Deku I've ever heard out of Justin Briner. Now I know that he was paired with Josh Greeley in what Stars Line, but I've never seen that. You should. I know. I'll put it on my list. I'll put it on my board. You'll cry and you'll be mad at what happens at the end because fuck the production committee. <laughs> yes, fuck the production but, committee. But I like I haven't like Sarah's on my Justin Briner. I still heard Deku. Like as much as I loved Sarah's on my, still heard Deku. But this I was. Can we also point out that Justin Briner can actually sing pretty well? Yes. Yes. He can. Yes. It's awesome. I like, I was just very happy that through the whole thing, I was like, it's just Mio. It's just Mio being Mio with Justin's voice coming out of him, where I did not hear a trace of Deku. And not that his acting in My Hero Academia is bad. I'm not saying that. It's very stylized and characterized and very shonen but this to me felt so much more natural and so much better like where you didn't have to scream really loud or cry in a whiny voice to like get your point and your emotion across i thought that even when he was just talking like really lowly on the phone to shun that one time and i was like mm -hmm. Oh God, that conveys so much more than Deku ever has to me. And to be fair, I'm not the biggest My Hero fan, but I'm like, I've seen a hundred episodes of it. So I, I know how it goes, fam. 
So I was just, I was really happy that I was able to hear a different side of his acting and his voice here, even if the tone was like vaguely similar, but it wasn't Deku. Like it just, that made me like the most happy about Justin's performance. Then y'all, we got to talk about that kiss scene and that sex scene because let me tell you the first time I saw that kissing scene like my jaw was on the ground I was like those are some top tier kissing noises boys or (laughs) top tier kissing noises people sorry cut out the boys part we know what we're talking about um I was just like excuse me excuse me sir who taught you how to to make it not sound like that, but like make it sound good, unless you're literally in the booth making out with somebody. Thank oh you, Jesus. God. It was friggin' hot. And I was like, oh, thank, thank, thank you for that. Thank you for for throwing me that bone. Because, like, I don't know, like, I found the sex scene very educational for people who wouldn't necessarily know what would be going on in their bedroom if that makes any sense to me to you guys also props for them for using protection and actually yes that yep and not whatever they can fucking find like a bad yeah, exactly i was like bravo like it actually like took responsibility for this and and it's not all sunshine and roses and rainbows sometimes like you know Sometimes people are going to be way too excited. Like sometimes people are going to be like not excited enough or very anxious or very nervous. Like it's not going to go perfectly every time. Some people are going to be awkward. Exactly. And sometimes you get, sometimes you get, oh God, they were both bottoms. (laughs) Yes. I was waiting for that. Cause I was like, I was, I was like when Mio was like, you want me to top? I was like, is this going to, is this a thing? I, I, I will take. Like, I'm a bottom. Fucking I will hell. take that that reverse trope because I was thinking it was gonna be the other way around, but I guess not. So bravo, authors. But I was just kind of like, the whole thing felt very real and very raw in a very good way. Like as opposed to, and the performances from from everybody, very real and honest, and it just. Mm-hmm. It made me happy to see something very natural portrayed that way. Yeah. As opposed to, oh, Nichan, what are you doing? Or, you know, whatever. Like, oh, sweet baby Jesus. I mean, I've been watching My Girlfriend is a Show Bitch. So I pretty much, from that to this, is like a fucking 360, 480 pound my head into the ground. But. <laughs> Like, oh my God. It, it is what it is, fam. But I was I was really happy with Justin's performance here. And now, my dear, let's talk about the other half of Mio. What would you what would you combine them as? Would you combine those as Shunio or Miyun? Or Mish? I like Mish. 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 And- <laughs> Anyway, before we move on, because we mentioned using proper lube. JJ, have I ever told you the four external use only story? Steph has heard this story. I probably have, and I will remember very quickly if I did. 
One time in college, my college roommate Sam and I were just browsing Tumblr because it was live back when I was in college. And she was reading uh, a reading a post about how fanfic is very bad about using certain Oh, I have too. heard this story, but please continue for the podcast <laughs> listeners out there. <laughs> for who haven't heard me tell the story before. For all the new people. So yeah, it's like, it's, it's like, yeah, no, it's like the bottle of sun, the bottle of aloe vera says for external use only. And I, I kind of like peek my head up and turn around. I'm like, yeah, why would anybody shove an aloe vera bottle up their ass? <laughs> and she kind of looks at me and goes, Megan, think about this. And she's like, Megan, it's about the liquid inside, not the bottle. That was also the same day I told I that was also the same day I told a duck to get out of a tree because quote unquote you are not a bird. <laughs> Sorry! Now that one's new. <laughs> yeah, we were walking to dinner and I had seen a meme and it was a giraffe in a tree. It says giraffe get out of that tree, you're not a bird. So of course me and my smart ass thinks I'm gonna do it to the next animal I fucking see. Oh my god. <laughs> which was which was a duck. <laughs> My roommate just kind of looks at me and just starts laughing. And I was like, oh, shit, damn it. It didn't work. Fuck. I broke the meme. Remember. <laughs> Betrayed by meme. Remember, kids, I have a bachelor's degree. <laughs> I went to college. We all went to college. Yep. And graduated. You know who didn't probably go to college? Shoon. Oh, oh boy. Shoon is our hapless 27-year-old gay author who has been through more homophobia than the poor boy needs to have ever gone through. Yes. Uh, he he ends up falling in love with Mio, and by the end of the movie, they, he goes back home. Shun is played by one. Uh, Gigi kind of let it slip, but they are played by one Josh Grilly. You will know Josh Grilly for their work as Yuri Kotsky in Yuri on Ice, Zeno in Yona of the Dawn, and Life Beauty in Yuri Kuma Arashi. Yay! Yay! Josh? <laughs> Gigi, go- you're not a Josh! Get out of that tree! <laughs> <laughs> I called Gigi. I called Gigi Josh. Anyway, it's all right. Like I'm down with that because they're pretty oh, damn God. cool, and they did a pretty good performance in this anime. Um, again, Josh Greeley has many, many voices. Like, so it's hard for me to pin him down sometimes. Not because I think all of his voices sound the same, but because he can because they can do so much with their voice that it's it's hard for me to to pick them out sometimes which is why at the beginning I thought Shun and Mio were flipped voice actor wise. Mm, okay. But when we got to Shun speaking more and I was like, okay, this is Josh just kind of like being Josh if that makes any sense. Like again, it's another performance that kind of felt effortless not that they weren't doing anything with their acting but that they sounded very conversational and very like hi my name is shun this is who i am if you don't like it go go play in the ocean like i don't know what to tell you um go play with fish yeah my worst nightmare um but <laughs> I took a drink on that one. Shit. Oh my god. <laughs> I meant the actual fish, anyways. Um, so I was really excited to hear Shun's voice come out so like conversational and so honest and earnest. Um, not 
I mean, you could hear the acting behind it. Let's be real. Like, Shun's had some bad shit go down. And Mm -hmm. you could hear it in Josh's voice whenever Shun did actually verbalize about anything that happened to him. And man, when he... When Shun told Mio that, you know, he shouldn't like him because... He, he w- doesn't want to be gay. Like, that fucking cut. I was like, who are you to tell somebody to not be themselves because you can't be yourself due to yeah. something that's going on in your, in your brain? And I was right. just like, you know, me, I'm always one who, you know, tells people to, like, be themselves and, like, Love whoever you want to love. Like, I'm in, like, a no-judgment zone all the time. And it's just, like, oh, God. Like, hearing Josh say that, like, it hurt. Like, that was, like, really painful. And I was just like, wow. Like, that is the scope of your acting now, my friend. So, I don't know. I thought it was really stellar. I thought Josh and Justin had such a good counterbalance between the two voices, especially when the parts where Mio and Justin were so cheerful sounding. And Shun was just like, ugh, I haven't slept in three days. <laughs> Bitch, let me sleep. I'm writing a novel. Shun living the true millennial Sh- like, lifestyle. Like, I am Shun. Like, <laughs> I am living that I haven't slept in three days lifestyle. Like, I am tired. He sound. That sounds like me too. Josh sounds tired a lot as Shun, and I was like, I can relate. That is a mood. That is a mood. <laughs> like I am. Eternal I am mood. okay. Um, we're doing the best we can, fam. Um, but yeah, really, really liked it, and the two of them just work off each other so beautifully. And I know we're in COVID times or in, and everything, but I wonder if David did what he did for um, the partners in He Tori She Made My Hero where he let them record in the booth together or maybe did like a source connect where they could see each other like because if he didn't then damn those two work really well off each other like by not even seeing each other but if he did i was like okay that really helped to add that extra layer to the performances yeah definitely and josh and josh and justin get paired up as leads at a lot of things together uh, so I wonder if there's a bit of a familiarity with knowing how the other one acts. Because yeah. um, Steph brought it up is, oh, look, it's the main two characters from Stars no, Alive. I didn't say um, it. That was You were buying it. That was, that was, that was Gigi. Oh, sorry, Gigi. Who's never even seen see, Stars Alive. Oh, we are see, going. I was going to. Mm. See. See, I was going to come in with a joke and be like, oh, season two of Stars Alive that we actually deserve. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's Andrew made that joke to me, and I I threatened to fly up to Connecticut. We all are having identity crises right now. <laughs> We're all by the the dub talk women all share mm-hmm. one brain it's cell. true, and one it's reproductive true. system. Wrap your head around that one. <laughs> Jokes on you, oh, mine's broken. Shit, uh, <laughs> is is that why mine was broken last month? <laughs> Jokes on you. Joke's on you, ovary machine broken. Shit, makes so much sense now. My <laughs> ovaries. Fuck you, bitch. <laughs> Can I get some baby? No, ovary machine broken. Thank you, have a nice day. 
synced menstruation cycles, boys and girls are an actual fucking thing. Welcome to your biology lesson. We not only teach you about gay male sex, but also about the female reproductive system. <laughs> remember, remember, clip your nails before you go into the girls. <laughs> before, or it's not please, please, men and women, please clip and clean your nailies before you you insert them into sexy orifices. Yes. It helps. Um, I don't know how to segue from that into Josh's performance, and I'm very stuffy. Bitches, I miss you. Fucking bitch. I miss you too. I at least I see one of you in like three months. So, which boy, howdy! I really hope you take off that Wednesday because I am going to have the train ride from hell. Otherwise, okay, we're going to talk about that later. (laughs) Yeah, I told Patrick. I'm like, we are talking about this after we're done recording. Um. So, uh, Josh's performance as Shun is absolutely heartbreaking and chilling in a way. Because they have to portray a character who has dealt with homophobia to the point where they also internalize a lot of it. Because, like Gigi said, a lot of Shun's character is, is blocking out, um... Mio from being with him until Mio straight up says if you want me gone I'm just gonna leave I've done my waiting Yep. Um, I'm not going to keep doing this and I think the biggest thing is that because Shun has dealt with such homophobia in his life to the point that this Shun almost married Sakurako you see Shun in his wedding kimono and, and Sakurako and hers, which, by the way, uh, Gotcha Games, please do more wedding, Japanese wedding kimono, uh, wedding outfits, because they are fucking gorgeous. Um, but just that scene of Shun laying in the room uh, in his dream, where Sakurako wakes him up to get married. And it's just kind of cold and muted around him. And you hear that very forced, wow, you look beautiful. Like, it's it's his wedding day. If he was truly excited for it, seeing uh, seeing your bride dressed up so beautifully, it reduces some men to tears. And yet for Shun, that day almost felt uh, not a not a happy life, but a death sentence. He would have had to die. The person he was would have died. But instead, he decided to to say I'm gay and then leave. And in many cases, he he ran away and closed himself off. And there's a thing with in Josh's performance where you can hear them very much on that, that very faked and forced smile. Mm-hmm. Where you can tell somebody saying, yes, I'm happy, but inside you can hear by the tone of their voice, the way they, inf- they influctuate their voice, that they're putting on, they're putting on a show. They're putting on the wedding. They're putting on the wedding kimono to make sure that everybody else is happy, but them, and that there's no ability for Shun to show himself mercy. That he believes himself in a way that he doesn't deserve this. Like he keeps punishing himself. I guess mm-hmm. you could say. Like he he doesn't allow people to empathize with him. And yet Josh's performance leads you to empathize with Shun's plight. 
Like, you feel bad for Shun because he has dealt with homophobia. He's had to deal with his his peers thinking that they're go he's going to treat them like they're meat. And I've really, I've heard a weird thing it I've heard a thing said before that straight men straight men fear get gay men hit on them the way that they hit on women. Mm, yep. Where they don't have a woman's best interests in mind. They're just doing it because they think they're hot and they deserve them. And it's the people around Shun, except for the people on Okinawa, have denied Shun, in a sense, his dignity. But at the same time, Shun also denies himself that until until that night he finally sleeps with, with Mio. Where he realizes that Mio loves him. And Josh's, earn Josh's hesitant earnestness comes through so well that you want Shun to be happy. You may not agree with the movie's idea of making Shun go home in the end, and yes, there is a sequel manga to this that Seven Seas has and will be putting out. But that moment when they have sex is less like, oh my god, they're fucking doing it. They're fucking. It's it's that moment that both of them finally feel that they can empathize with each other and connect on a level that is both physical and emotional and that they can stop denying who they want to be with each other. Like, yes, there there's the dorky moment of Mio, of Shun embarrassingly admitting that he took a bath and fingered himself for it because he doesn't top. But it's also that moment where a couple of the lies that they've told each other um, come to the this thing where I think does Shun lie about he slept with men before or does he openly admit he's never slept with a man before? before They both say that they've never slept with men, but they've both slept with women. Slept mm -hmm. with women. Though we don't and, know if Shun was actually telling see, my the thing truth is, on that one. Truth. Yeah, we don't know if Shun's ever telling right. the truth for this because I feel like Shun probably lied about it to keep up appearances mm -hmm. with people because Shun was afraid and he went as far as almost getting married to keep up this illusion so that he would feel accepted and god Josh's performance is so fucking good at this like they they I wonder how much of it is also personal experience for them mm. um and I think that's, again, a tribute to David Wald's directing choice, is that they got an actor for this who could bring their own sense of life experience and empathy. Because, again, Mio is a character who I think, I'm sorry, Shun is a character that I think that a lot of people might misinterpret and might misinterpret Josh's performance as being heartless and cold and, and why would Mio ever fall in love with him? But I think I've said a lot and I want to leave time for, for Steph, so. Hi. <laughs> um, man. Man. This film in general has so much to, like, unpack and go through. And each of these characters, though, I would think primarily Shunmyo and even Sakurako, have so much going on with them. There's so many layers to unpack. It's insane. Um, Shun 
weirdly, okay, not weirdly enough, I got very attached to Shun in the film, in all honesty. Why that is, I don't know, because obviously I can't really relate to some of the things that Shun has to go through. But a lot of it, I think, contributes to how Josh portrays Shun and essentially this, like, mental psychological trauma that Shun goes through throughout the course of not only his film, this film, but throughout the course of Shun's life. Um, because the societal expectations and all that bullshit. And because of because of it, it affects Shun so much that when he pushes Mio away earlier on, like he's doing he does it for Mio's sake. Like he 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 does it for Mio because he doesn't want Mio to go through some of the potential shit that Shun has gone through. Because we find out partway through the film, Mio has never been with a guy and had never fallen in love with a guy until he met Shun. That is a very important statement. Which means it also implies Mio probably, as far as we know of, we don't know how his life at the orphanage was, as far as we know of, he never had to deal with some of the homophobic comments that Shun did when he was in school. Right? So, both of them, Mio and Shun, had two different experiences, first of all. And I know we talked about that before when we were talking about Mio. Um, I feel like Shun has the biggest turmoil and inner conflict in the whole film. And I kind of latched onto that a bit more compared to Mio, compared to Sakurako. Um... And Josh, similar to Justin as Mio, Josh portrays it in a way that is so genuine and open and honest and about those internal fears and about that struggle with it, not just accepting yourself as to who you are, but being the uh, a true, open, honest version of yourself. And without having the pressures of those expectations society puts on a young man um, who is gay. So, it's it's very open, it's very honest, it's very mature. And I said this at the start, the dynamic between Josh and Justin is just so beautiful. Because where Josh has his reservations and his own traumatic experiences Justin's Mio is the one who kind of brings Shun out of that and helps Shun not only get past that but also helps Shun slowly become a more honest more honest with himself um, and it's honestly I, it's so well done I love it so so much that I, the dynamic is beautiful it's that open honesty and just ah it's both hard to describe and i'm rambling and it's just <laughs> but i got so attached to shun because of so much of the complexity and the trauma that shun has gone through in his life 
um, just trying to be his authentic self. And it's, it's for some people, given the situation, there are going to be people who are in Shun's situation where they want to try and be the, their authentic selves and having a support system, like having a Mio that Shun has, really is nice and pleasant. And Shun, I think, by the end of it, blossoms a lot more and is, if not fully accepted himself, has begun the process to really accept himself um, in, in this really sometimes messed up world that they live in. And it's a very beautiful thing. And Josh, like, kudos to Josh on that because that is a lot, that is a lot of baggage and trauma that Shun goes through. And I think Josh navigates it masterfully along with um, David's direction, honestly. I think this, Josh is, is my favorite performance of the film. I'm not gonna lie. Like, surprise, surprise. <laughs> All right, let's move into final thoughts. So who wants to go first? I'll make it real fast just because you could watch the movie twice in the space of listening to this podcast. I suggest I yes. a lot there. I suggest so. you do watch the movie twice and then listen to this podcast. Uh, 10 out of 10 all around directing, acting, writing. Everything was amazing. I wish it were longer. I wish I had more time with this wonderful cast and crew and characters. Mm -hmm. And I really hope that the second manga gets turned into a movie also so I could watch some more. Will I read the manga? Probably. But I like to see it animated better, especially when it comes with an amazing dub like this one. So as always... Thank you to DW and his cast and crew for all that you do. You are really making it work and you're all blessed and wonderful people. And thank you for pushing the boundaries of stuff and for getting Funimation to be able to pick up this piece and to give it a really amazing dub. Thank you, Gigi. Stuff. This is a wonderful film. It is a beautiful film. It is an open and honest film. Um, my stupid, awkward brand aside. Uh, <laughs> it is open. It is honest. It is beautiful. At the end of the day, it is just purely a beautiful romance. And the fact that having a wonderful dub like this just goes to show how much passion and heart it really went into this. Like again, kudos to the cast, to the crew, and oh, just please go and watch it. Please do. Like, if you are, if you just have an open mind, please have an open mind because this is such a beautiful story that really deserved to be told. So, yeah. Um, I looked up. It. I. I realized that that line I was trying to quote is literally David Wald's Twitter at Twitter header. Um, which is what makes us all so afraid of two men or two women being together. All the things we could fear in this world and we pick love. Yes, there it is. Mm -hmm. Which is such a great fucking line, by the way. Uh, this is an amazing movie. This is a much watch. This is one of the best dubs of the year. I think this is probably the best dub David Waltz ever put oh, together. Oh, 100%. I can agree with that. Um, actually. this was given time and passion and clearly a lot of love. Um, 
It's got a cast that should be applauded. It's got a script that is fantastic. And it is a, a movie that I think a lot of people really need to see, regardless of your sexuality. Um, so I could say so much more about this, that, but I think I've said a lot as we were discussing it. Um, but if you would like to check out Stranger by the Shore, you can do it with the sub and the dub on Funimation Streaming. Um, currently, there is no home video release for it yet. That could change by the time that this is either put up or obviously in the future. If you'd like to pick up the manga, you can pick it up from Seven Seas Entertainment. And they are also going to be putting out the sequel series for this, which is going by the name of Tanja du Zephyr, which is actually an ongoing manga. Ooh, okay. Yay! Uh, it's an ongoing manga. It's three volumes right now. Um, so hopefully, uh, maybe Funimation will co-pro a, um, a, uh, anime for that series. But again, if you would like to, to check it out in English, you can check it out through Seven Seas or Renta. Uh, but if you, it's, if you use the digital distribution system Renta, it's going to go by The Stranger by the Beach. Uh, Seven Seas does it by Seaside Stranger, but essentially you'll know the cover when you see it. Um, but they've got that put out. Uh, if you'd like to follow us, we are the Dub Talk Podcast. You can follow us at Twitter, Fa Twitter, YouTube, um, Twitch, Tumblr's Dead, Instagram. Uh, if you'd like to watch this, you can watch it on YouTube, but you can also listen to us as a audio-only field on Spotify, Podbean, and Apple Podcasts. Uh, if you'd like to support us as a one-time thing, we do have Kofi, which you can get in the links below. But if you'd like to support us on the regular, you can do so via our Patreon, where we have our $5 tier. My mom and dad, Michelle Travis, Miracula Corazon, Nico Robin, but with Yowie Hands, Sue Tweedy, and Victor Mayborda. Our $10 tier is Carly Lestacal, Crimson Echidna, Jacob Wilson, Jared Hawkins, Julia W., the one, the only, Marissa Lenti, Millicent Snowberry, and Otaku Anthony. Ladies, show yourselves. This is Gigi. You can find me on YouTube and Twitter at Anime Palooza, where I talk about Udapri and crying that my cards won't come home and other random anime weeb related stuff over on my YouTube channel. Uh, yeah, that's all I have now for the time being. For, for now. For now. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. No, uh, Subscribe to uh, me on YouTube, please. Please get me out of the 1700 subscriber hole that I've been in for a year and a half. Do it. Do it. Uh, in the meantime, my name is Stephanie. Sometimes I am known on the internet as Lilac. You can follow me on Twitter at Lilac Anime Review with review being spelled R-E-V-U-E. I also have a blog, Life and Times WordPress.com, that has not been updated in a hot minute. I should... I keep telling myself I should do that. And if but if you also want to just chill with me and sometimes Andrew, uh that Twitch that Megan mentioned before, I have been using it on Thursdays on the regular, um, just playing games and stuff. At the time of recording this, we are currently in the middle of Angels of Death, to which thank you, Megan, for that. Uh <laughs> You're welcome. And we might almost be done with it, I think. We got through Kathy last week, so we might be almost done with it already. But, uh, yeah, we, we, we do this, the Twitch streams on the Thursdays. So come come hang out. Say hi. Though, come hang out with us on Twitch anyway. <laughs> Doesn't matter what day. Yeah, come hang out with us during the week. Yay. Uh, my name's Megan. You can follow me at QueerNero2 on Twitter, where I mostly shitpost on the regular. 
Uh, I stream Wednesdays usually on our Twitch playing at the time of this recording, Fire Emblem The Three Houses. Um, yeah, that's all I got. So ladies, time to say goodbye. We have to go back to the, we have to go back to work at the cafe. I'm hungry. Do you think they'll give us free food today besides this rainbow cake? It was delicious, but I need a little but more substance. I think we need some dumplings. <gasps> yes. We need some oh, gyoza. gyoza sounds so fucking good oh right my now. god! Some shumai, gyoza, some gyoza, and yeah. some bubble tea. And weirdly enough, yes. I'm not a huge bubble tea person. I don't get boba in my bubble tea. I just get like the milk tea with no boba. And the people at my boba shop are like, "Hey," but now they know me, and they're like, "Oh, okay, you're the girl with no boba." And I'm like, "Yep, that's me." But <laughs> this day, you stick out like a sore thumb. You, the one who doesn't like you boba. girl with you, the girl who don't like boba. <laughs> That should be my anime, the girl who does not like boba. You girl who don't like boba. <laughs> Funimation Cobra, let's go. <laughs> Hell yeah, girl. <laughs> oh, shit. All right, with that being said, everybody have a good night and otaku on, my friends. Love your faces. Bye, Bye guys. Have a good one.